Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Thank you so much for joining us for Texas Ag Today. I'm your host, Kerry Martin, along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture, covering everything from the piney woods of East Texas out to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos and from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. Many Texas High Plains farmers believe cover crops are an impractical use of water. But what if cover crops might actually help producers from a water standpoint? I'm James Hunt and I'll talk about that coming up on Texas Ag Today. New insecticide technology for Texas citrus producers. I'm Tom Nicoletti and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. Often there are non-traditional products that claim to improve forage production at a lower cost than traditional fertilizers. We will discuss a few things we should keep in mind when evaluating these products. I'm Dr. Vanessa Olson from Overton. We'll have those stories plus news from Washington, Texas wildlife news, and a complete look at the markets all coming up. Agriculture is seeing some major changes in the new Congress with Representative David Scott of Georgia taking over as the new chairman of the House Agriculture Committee and G.T. Thompson of Pennsylvania as the ranking member. Texas A&M ag policy expert Bart Fisher says both of those congressmen have a lot of agricultural experience under their belts. Congressman Scott, uh, who's a longtime member of the House Ag Committee, who's taking over as chairman of House Ag on the Republican side, G.T. Thompson, another known uh, commodity for ag, is going to be taking over as as ranking member. So I suspect a lot of stability on the House side there. Uh, you know, Mr. Scott representing Georgia, friend of Cotton, and then also Mr. Thompson, despite the fact that he's from Pennsylvania, he was uh, Chairman Conaway's vice chairman throughout the development of the 2018 Farm Bill. He knows his stuff. He knows all of these programs. He understands the importance of them. And so I think you've got really you know, two good folks there at the helm on the House side. Fisher feels the same about the leadership of the Senate Ag Committee, with Senator Debbie Stabenow of Michigan taking the top spot for the Democrats and Arkansas Senator John Bozeman as the ranking member. A new sign-up period for the coronavirus food assistance program kicks off today. USDA Undersecretary Bill Northey says there will be some new payments in this round. We're adding two additional commodities for CFAP2 for the sales commodities. This is pullets, so growing birds uh, getting ready to be layers, as well as turf grass sod. And Northey says contract growers will also qualify for this round of aid. Many Texas High Plains farmers believe cover crops are an impractical use of water. But what if they actually help improve soil moisture? James Hunt reports from Amarillo. 
As we talked about in yesterday's report, many Texas High Plains farmers are reluctant to plant cover crops as a way to boost soil health because they don't see the logic in sacrificing subsurface water reserves to grow vegetation outside of their principal crops like corn, cotton, or sorghum. But here's something to consider, perhaps. Texas A&M AgriLife agronomist Jordan Bell says, AgriLife research shows keeping live roots in the soil in between production seasons provides root channels that can enhance a field's ability to absorb precipitation. So even though we are depleting the storage water with the cover crop, we do have improved infiltration. And with some timely rains, a farmer might actually come out a little bit ahead. We can maybe even have a little more storage water than we would have had in a traditional fallow period where we might be more susceptible to runoff. However, Dr. Bell acknowledges that the trick to such a strategy is getting those timely rains. Not always a reliable proposition in our area, but in terms of what we're focusing on in this series on soil health, Dr. Bell says cover crops can also provide organic matter to help develop humus, the glue that helps hold soil particles together. So with increased organic matter in the soil, we have improved soil structure, and that also is very important when we consider infiltration, but also reduced erosion. And of course, our soils are very susceptible to wind erosion. Cover crops arguments aside, when it comes to the methodology of improving soil health, Dr. Bell says farmers need to determine what's practical for their individual operations. There's lots of things that we can do without necessarily diving in full speed. More on that tomorrow. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. There's new technology now available for Texas citrus producers. Tom Nicoletti has more. My guest today is Jesse Rosales. He is a manager of crop and brand strategy for Valent USA, joining us today from Denver. And uh, Jesse, let's talk about uh, what you folks are doing from a new product uh, line uh, that you launched in 2020 that uh, is helping farmers uh, across the nation and uh, specifically uh, in Texas. We had four product launches in 2020, so it's been a pretty pretty exciting year for us. And as you can imagine, with each product launch, we we do have specific markets that we're focusing on, and one in particular, Texas. So we do have a new product called Seven Star Insecticide, and it's a premix of pyroproxifen and spirotetramat. And that one's a pretty exciting new insecticide for Texas in particular because. It has excellent control over the various pests that you might encounter in your citrus industry out there. So Asian citrus salad in particular is one where we're starting to see some pretty good early adoption. And the reason why it's particularly exciting and what differentiates it is that the two unique modes of action actually end up offering full life cycle management over the pest. So in terms of having peace of mind and being able to offer growers uh, full uh, full life cycle management over key pests, Sensar is a pretty great option. Beyond that, we also have a new AI, a new active ingredient that got registration that you'll see in two products that we launched this year. The first being the Zelterra rice. So that one is a seed treatment material based off of the Indiflin active ingredient, a very strong fungicide, a new fungicide. And then a foliar counterpart to that, which has a a stronger fit in some of the other specialty crops, but that one is called Excalio fungicide. And then the last one that we had, which you may have heard of, is Perpetuo. 
and that's a two AI post applied herbicide that contains fluminate chloride pentyl and the very powerful pyroxysulfone. So as far as pyroxysulfone goes, uh, the newest addition to the group 15 herbicides category for modes of action. And what this product ends up offering Texas growers is very effective control over some of those really tough to control post applied weeds that you may encounter. And that would be uh, in reference to row crops uh, here in Texas? Absolutely. So the pipeline is strong going into 2021? Oh, absolutely. It's a, it's a really exciting time right now in terms of new products that are in the queue being prepped for rollout. So over the next couple of years, you'll see quite a few new product launches, stuff ranging from some, some game changer type herbicides that will be rolled out here in the next three to four years. I would say the, the primary guiding goal for our product development campaign is including improving plant productivity and plant efficiency. Those comments today from Jesse Rosales, Crop and Brand Strategy Manager with Valent USA. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Can non-traditional fertilizer products do as good of a job as traditional fertilizers? Vanessa Olson takes a look from East Texas. Soil additives are different from traditional fertilizers and soil amendments in that they usually have little or no nutrient content. There is no requirement for these non-traditional products to have a guaranteed analysis label. Many of these products state on the label that they are not a substitute for a fertilizer program, but enhance the effectiveness of fertilizer normally applied or make nutrients in the soil more available to the crop. They are claimed to improve soil physical, chemical, and biological properties to improve nutrient and or water availability in the soil and increase crop nutrient uptake. Most traditional soil amendments and commercial fertilizers have been tested extensively through research trials to document both their benefits and limitations. The benefits from many of these non-traditional products have not been proven scientifically by independent research. Sometimes crop yield can be reduced by some soil additives, but often no positive or negative effect can be substantiated. Many marketers of these products will rely on testimonials with limited or no actual data towards performance. Another common theme is low cost and low application rates. Therefore, be very cautious before making a decision to use these products. The best advice that can be given to growers is to evaluate new products carefully and insist upon local or regional research data demonstrating product effectiveness and value. Since there are so many products on the market, it is difficult for extension personnel and university researchers to test them all. Nevertheless, extension agents and specialists may still be able to give you some information based on their experiences with similar products. Anytime we are making decisions about products or nutrients to add for forage production, we should always start with a soil test. Soil tests can be used to estimate the kinds and amounts of soil nutrients already available to plants. They also can be used as aids in determining fertilizer needs. Properly conducted soil sampling and testing can be cost-effective indicators of the types and amounts of fertilizer and lime needed to improve forage yield. Levels of nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium should be applied based on soil test recommendations as well as match farm goals. This is Dr. Vanessa Olson reporting from East Texas with Texas Ag Today. 
More money is now available to fight wild hogs here in Texas. Jessica Domel will have more on that coming up in today's Wildlife Report. And if you have spring calving cows, it's time to get your calving kit together. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has some tips coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. Texas Farm Bureau Insurance has protected fellow Texans with auto, home, health, and life insurance since 1952. With more than 260,000 square miles of land and 27 million people, that's a lot to cover. Whether you're wrangling cattle or wrangling kids, we're proud to protect Texans in all Texan ways of life. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to get insurance for Texans by Texans. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Spring calves will start hitting the ground soon, so if you've got a spring calving herd, it's time to get that calving kit together so you'll be prepared. Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has some tips. Dr. Glenn Selk at Oklahoma State wants to remind all the beef cow calf producers to check your calving kits to make sure you have all the materials you need now. You don't want to wait until midnight in the rain and snow to be looking for your calving chains or obstetrical lube. First of all, do a walkthrough of your calving pens, stalls, and chute area. Make sure the gates and fences are in good shape and that the chute is greased and functions properly. If you have lighting at your chute, make sure the lights are working and you have electric power to the chute area. If you don't have lights, try to figure out a method to have lights available. A small generator is not that expensive and can really come in handy, especially if a C-section is required. Also make sure that if you have a calf puller, it's in good shape and lubricated well. Using a calf puller is not as easy as it seems, so if you are unfamiliar with proper use of a calf puller, ask your veterinarian for assistance. The most difficult thing about using a calf puller is to know when to use it and how hard to pull and to pull in the appropriate manner to not injure the cow or the calf. Certainly you will need calving chains and handles to allow you to pull on the chains once they are applied to the calf's legs. Disinfectants such as dilute iodine or dilute chlorhexidine solutions can be used to disinfect all calving equipment and can be placed in a stainless steel bucket prior to use. Chlorhexidine is preferred because it works in the presence of organic matter while iodine does not. Never use 7% tincture of iodine for this purpose, as it contains alcohol and will damage the tissues of the cow and the calf. I'm veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. More money is now available to fight wild hogs here in Texas. Jessica Domel has more in today's Wildlife Report. The U.S. Department of Agriculture is investing more than $11.5 million in projects to help farmers, ranchers, and landowners trap and control feral swine. It is part of the Feral Swine Eradication and Control pilot program. The second round of funding, which was announced earlier this month, funds projects in eight states, including Texas. USDA's Rod Bain has more. More states are now included in a USDA pilot program designed to control feral swine and curb the significant damages to property and plants caused by this invasive species. 
the Natural Resources Conservation Service and Animal and Plant Health Inspection Service jointly operate the pilot. And according to NRCS Acting Chief Kevin Norton, We did the first round of announcements back in 2019. We had 11 states and selected just over 20 projects during that period of time. We are in our second round of funding. We did select 14 new projects. They're in eight states. And with this, we've picked up three additional states compared to what we had funded in the first round. He adds each project under the Feral Swine Eradication and Control Pilot Program is unique and conducted as part of public-private collaboration, including participating landowners. That report from USDA's Rod Bain. According to USDA, the second round of funding includes projects in Dallum, Nueces, San Patricio, B, Williamson, and Milam counties. Additional details about the pilot program are available on the NRCS website. That's nrcs.usda.gov. Simply search feral swine eradication. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Dolmel. The cattle market kicked off the week mostly higher in both live and feeder cattle futures on Monday, and we saw continued gains in the cotton market. We'll update all of the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Did you know that one out of every three mouthfuls of food we eat is produced by insect pollination, most of which is done by bees? In fact, bees are vitally important to food production. That's why modern agriculture is working with beekeepers to promote bee health. Ensuring a sustainable food supply requires each of us to play our part in preserving the land and protecting pollinators. This public service announcement is brought to you by Syngenta. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. We have a holiday shortened trading week this week. Of course, Monday we had a holiday, no markets traded. So Tuesday was our kickoff for the week. And the cattle market kicked off the week on a higher note for most contracts. February live cattle up 55 cents, 113.32. The April up $1.15, 119.35. June live cattle up 45 cents at 116.72. Feeder cattle higher on all except the nearby January. It was down 17, 134.40. March feeders up 97 at 136.80. The April up $1.30, 139.60. Cash fed cattle market all quiet for the week. We wrapped up last week selling cattle from 108 to 111. Those prices 1 to $3 lower compared to the previous week. Boxed beef was higher on Tuesday. Choice up 260 at 217.64. Select up 12 cents, 205.96. Let's check the auction barns now. Nixon Livestock Commission, Nixon, Texas, selling 1,697 head over the weekend. Two to three weight steers, $1.40 to 205 a pound. Three to four weights, $1.43 to 211. Four to 500 pounders, $1.38 to $1.85 a pound. Five to six weight steers, $1.26 to $1.65. Six to seven weights, a dollar eleven to a dollar thirty-six. Seven to eight hundred pound steers, a dollar five to a dollar twenty-seven a pound. Slaughter cows, twenty-four to sixty-two cents. Slaughter bulls, fifty to eighty-nine. 
Stocker cows brought 500 to 11.35 ahead. Cow-calf pairs 550 to 9.25 a pair. Live Oak Livestock Auction, Three Rivers, Texas, selling 1,044 head this week. The trend steady to higher. Two to three weight steers, a dollar forty-six to a dollar eighty-four. Three to four weights, a dollar thirty-four to a dollar eighty. Four to five hundred pounders, a dollar twenty-four to a dollar seventy-four a pound. Five to six weight steers, a dollar eighteen to a dollar sixty. Six to seven weights, a dollar fourteen to a dollar forty-two. And the seven to eight hundred pound steers, a dollar two to a dollar thirty-four pound. Slaughter cows, twenty-two to sixty cents. Slaughter bulls, seventy to eighty-six. Stocker cows brought four fifty to ten twenty-five ahead. Cow calf pairs, seven twenty-five to ten seventy-five a pair. Back over to the futures market now. Lean hogs closing lower Tuesday, February down a dollar forty-five, sixty-six forty-seven. April hogs down a dollar twenty-two at seventy-one forty-two. Class three milk was lower. January milk down a penny at sixteen twenty-two. February milk down seventy-five cents, eighteen forty-eight a hundredweight. The cotton market closed higher in a fairly choppy trade. A little nervousness in this market as we try to get past Inauguration Day, but the U.S. dollar continues to decline. That is bullish for cotton exports and bullish for prices. March cotton up 45 points, 81.15. May cotton up 45 at 82.07. December cotton up 67 points, 77.69 cents. The wheat market sitting at six-year highs. We didn't see a whole lot of movement on Tuesday, but July Kansas City wheat was up three quarters, 646 and a quarter. July Chicago wheat up a half penny at 658 and a quarter. The corn market dropped lower based on beneficial rains over South America. Both Brazil and Argentina getting a good rain over the weekend on their corn crop. That pushed our prices lower. March corn down five and a half, 526 a bushel. September corn down seven and three quarters at 477 and three quarters. In the energy markets, February natural gas down 19 cents, 254. February crude oil up 64 at $53 a barrel. The financial markets higher. The Dow Jones Industrial Average up 116 points, 30,930. The Nasdaq up 198 at 13,197. The S&P 500 up 30, 3,798. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up another edition of Texas Ag Today. Don't forget, we'll be right back here tomorrow to bring you all of the latest news in Texas agriculture. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you then. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website, at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.